For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? Today is Lemon Meringue Pie Day. That's something to celebrate. It's also Howl at the Moon Night. So after tonight's show, go out and howl at the moon. I am so excited about tonight's show. I have been wanting to sit down and have tonight's guest on our show for a long, long time. I actually interviewed her uh, in 2012. Can you believe that? Uh, I went to see a show uh, off, off Broadway many years ago. It was part of a theater festival. Uh, Peter Sincati had done a musical called How Deep is the Ocean? Uh, and it was about uh, climate change and how uh, we were destroying the ocean uh, because of everything that was being put into it at that time. And it was an incredible musical. Uh, but at one point in the musical, uh, LaVon Fisher Wilson hit the stage and everything changed for me. It was like watching The Wizard of Oz. Everything had been black and white until she hit the stage. And then all of a sudden, everything became technicolor. And I absolutely fell in love with her. She knows this. Uh, this is no secret. And her husband knows as well. Because <laughs> I was invited to the after party. I even have a photograph from that <laughs> night. This is from 2012. There it is. And... I have been following the trajectory of her career ever since then. So, LaVon, you are always worth celebrating, and I am thrilled Aww. that you are here tonight. I have followed, you know, the birth of your children and uh, every show that you've done on Broadway. It, it, it's just amazing to watch everything that's happened uh, since seeing you that first time on stage. That is so amazing. Thank you so much for inviting me, first of all. That's just wonderful. I've, I've come in and out and watched a lot of your shows and the information that I receive in those, you don't receive in many interviews and it's a wealth of information, including the different holidays on days that you don't think is a holiday. That's amazing. Um, but I just, I've always felt that you were such a joy and such a gift uh, to our community um, because like I said, the interviews, they give you a little bird's eye in a way that others don't. It's very relaxed. It's very fun. It's very friends chatting it up. Um, but I want a glitter uh, curtain now. I want a glitter curtain. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Who knows you may get one. I may find, I may get you one uh, yes. and get, get this to you. So if your children <laughs> uh, have not gone to bed after the show tonight, Take them to the park, take them out, and you and your husband and the kids howl at the moon tonight. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so I have to ask you, because I know you're from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, Carol Channing, who was a friend of mine, always said it wasn't Louisville, it's Louisville. Louisville. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. Is that right? Am I pronouncing it yes, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So I got it right, Louisville. Yeah. Uh, and I had the good fortune of performing in Louisville. Some mm -hmm. people may not know this. Um, and 
I'm going to go there because I'm a Southern boy. Um, Kentucky yes. Fried Chicken is from Louisville. Yes, Kentucky. it is. It is. It's and now it's KFC. So some people, and I know other generations don't even know what the K you know means. Uh, but yes, it originated from there. But I'm seeing more and more commercials where they're going back to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have you noticed? Really? That? No, I haven't. I just kind of once they started KFC, I kind of kind of close my eyes to it. I eat it if I if I feel like it when I'm home, but anywhere else I don't. So I just I'm not paying attention. <laughs> so I was booked in Louisville many uh -huh. years ago and okay. uh for the Bozard ball. Uh and nice. I went to uh the Kentucky Fried Chicken Museum. And uh wait a minute, hold up, hold up. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and there's a Kentucky fried chicken museum. When did that happen? <laughs> Yes, there is a, there is a Kentucky Fried Chicken Museum. I okay, I'm, I'm going there. I'm, I'm my family reunion is every year, um, Labor Day weekend, and I go a little early because I help my mom, you know, set everything up. Because my my mom and my siblings are now our generation is over it, so we're doing. But I'm going to the Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, uh, Museum. I didn't know that was there. Now wait a minute. <laughs> and it has to be original recipe. No, yes. none of the other stuff. So, yes. uh, but a I, I, good Southern boy. And there's so much that we're going to delve into tonight. Um, okay. But I begin my shows with a surprise question, a question okay. that I haven't even looked at tonight. So the question okay. is, would you rather never read a, another book or never watch another movie? Oh, that's hard. <sighs> well, um, <laughs> I'm going to say never read another book. Because now everything's technology and it'll just be audio read to me. <laughs> so that's fine. I don't have. Oh, to that's that. good. And and the next question is, which value do you care about that you're not currently living? That's an interesting question. Yes, it is. Uh, which, which value? Oh, so I have, to, I have to come up with the value. Yes. Oh, that is that's uncomfortable. Wait a minute. I don't know. Um, can I get this multiple choice? Can you give me some values that I can, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I can't imagine knowing you that there are any values that you don't live. Oh, oh, that would, that would be going too deep. That would be, that would be going too deep. So let me not say that one. Um, uh, you know, uh, hmm, values. Uh, well, I don't know. That's so hard. That didn't have a multiple choice. I don't like that one. Can I, can I, can I throw it back and get another one? We're gonna yeah. throw it. We're gonna throw that out into the ocean. And we're, going, <laughs> we're going to, but we're gonna talk about uh, your trajectory with your life and your career. Because okay. one of the things that I, in my research uh, on you, uh, is. Growing up, you used to get the neighborhood kids together and you used to put your own shows together and you had this dream of being the next Whitney Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what was it about Whitney Houston that pulled you in? I mean, obviously, let's face it. I mean, that voice, that talent, yeah. uh, amazing. And, you know, and it's, I, I too am a huge Whitney Houston fan, and she passed away on my birthday. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yes. Lord. Uh, yeah, so, which uh, so that reminder is always there. Uh, huge fan of hers. So, uh, so at first, I before Whitney, I wanted to be Loretta Lynn. Let's just be clear. 
Uh, <laughs> I love country music from Louisville, Kentucky. And then when I saw her in Butcher Harlow and, and, and Kentucky, when I saw her in Coal Miner's Daughter, that was like my, I, I learned the whole show and I would sing all the songs that I really wanted to, that was my image of like beauty and strength and motherhood and juggling it all. Like she was my first. So we're going to say she was my first. And those are all the reasons she was from my state. Um, she kind of carried the same values about family, um, about uh, marriage, about, um, and also not even knowing she wanted a career and kind of stumbled on it and completely feeling in love with it and yet trying to juggle all of that all at once. So she was my first. Um, when Whitney came on the scene, we had, we had, we had, had um, we had Payla Bell, we had uh, Tina Turner, we had um, 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 Aretha, we had those. And, and so she was like the next generation. And when she came, she, a lot of her songs spoke about a lot of things that I, um, as a teenager, as a preteen, was feeling like the first time of feeling in love and feeling confused. And and then um, I believe the children are our future. That was so inspirational to me. And so she was just such an inspiration. And let me tell you another reason. Uh, Whitney was so tiny <laughs> and her voice was so big. And when I learned about Whitney, I was tiny too, <laughs> about a hundred pounds ago. Anyway, um, when I was a teenager, still are, you still oh, are. Yes, okay, yes, okay. Let's let's go there. Uh, <laughs> but I had this big voice, and when I was smaller, and even when I came to New York, it, it was almost like they didn't know what to do with me because my voice was big and brassy, like someone who is bigger and actually older. But then my body wasn't, so I they just didn't know where to put me. So I loved how tiny she was, and yet she was screaming she was her voice was so big and the octaves and the just i don't know i was mesmerized and so young whitney was who i first aspired to be and i started singing in talent shows in louisville kentucky and i've got an uncle who sings and um the first time he heard me sing a whitney houston song um he started like we were like booking he started booking us for like weddings we would sing i'd sing some whitney he'd sing something else and then we sang some atlantic star duets and and he taught me how to play piano and he taught me how to sing and so it um she was just she was just the the jumping point of what i wanted my career to be before i even knew about musical theater i knew nothing about musical theater until i went to a performing arts high school i auditioned and they wanted you to sing an art song um and i sing a I sang a, a, I found an art song, like my choir teacher told me about an art song, but I didn't care about that art song. And he said, so what's your alternate, uh, you know, song? I said, I'm going to sing Whitney Houston, <laughs> The Greatest Love of All. And he said, oh, so you're going to do it like Whitney? And I was like, no, I'm going to do it like me. <laughs> Good for you. Hey. And that started, that started my, my journey into musical theater um, and, and, and learning about, it was the first time I had heard Dream Girls because I heard it on the radio that I didn't know. And I was like, there's a whole, it, you can sing and dance and act and be all these things instead of just being a recording artist. And that just opened up that world for me. So where, I mean, did you grow up in a musical, I mean, you mentioned your uncle, but did you grow up in a musical household? Did your parents sing? Uh, and brothers and sisters? Uh, are um, brothers and sisters? There are brothers. I'm, I'm, one, I'm the oldest of five. And um, my stepdad, who um, when he married my mother when I was 10 and then he adopted me and gave me his last name and always treated me like he's, he was I was his daughter. He's wonderful. And he was a singer and he was in a guy group back in the 60s like I don't remember. And so he would he would take his big speakers 
the big speeches have back in the day. And he'd sit them out on the front porch and play Motown. And and I just love it. It made me fall in love with all the guy groups and the girl groups. But my mom, she doesn't sing. She 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 tries to sing it. She can't. And <laughs> um and so my uncle was the only one. We I wasn't raised in the church like in a religion that uh had a gospel choir. I was raised as Jehovah's Witness. So I there was no gospel choir or anything. And so it was it, it was really ironic. That's why I always think as African Americans, some of that stuff. Like the reason why the Lion King has the South Africans sing, you know, uh, the the they're, they're like the, the the heart of the music in the Lion King is because there's an earthiness and a groundedness that I think we carry in our DNA. There's something about it in our DNA. And so I would sing and people say, oh, I know you was singing at church. And I was like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> no. But but it, it's in my DNA to gravitate towards gospel music, gravitate towards um, R&B, gravitate towards, you know, that type of music. So no, my household was only filled with Motown. It was filled with Motown and Taylor Bell and, you know, um, uh, Aretha. And and then when I started singing again, just like how I went out and started shows and put on shows for the, for the uh, neighborhood, when I was 10, my mother started having kids like back to back, you know. So I started... I was the babysitter, so then I had my own choir, you know. <laughs> so I taught them all how to sing. So whenever we come home for holidays or family reunion, we always sing and harmonize together, and they all sing really well. But I think it's because I was—I turned into like their vocal coach. <laughs> I was terrible. <laughs> no, no I, I think it's all wonderful. So, mm -hmm. you—when you, did you first discover that you had this gift, this voice? Twelve. I was twelve years old. And um, I, they had those, oh, I'm about to age myself. Um, I, they had those 45s, um, uh, the records. And I and someone bought me a Whitney Houston record. And I don't know if my uncle or who it was, but I was in the basement with a with a brush and just singing in the mirror. Oh, and I would play it over and over. Oh, that thing bent, it did everything. <laughs> because I would just sing, uh, you give good love, um, the greatest love. Um, I want to dance with somebody that those are just my, you know, my go-tos and I loved it. And I had no idea that it was going to evolve into Broadway or musical theater. I just knew I wanted to sing and I want to sing that type of music. But I, my uncle noticed that then, then I had a, my range was there with Whitney, but he, he, he saw my, heard my voice changing, you know, and, um, I would be trying to scream Whitney. He's like, no, that's, that's not your, that's not your vocal range. So as I got older, I, I, with from being said soprano, second soprano, then I turned to an alto. But at 12, I just, I loved how singing made me feel. I loved how it made my grandma feel and my, my grandparents feel when I sang. And, and, it, and it was one of those things I saw it like Eddie Murphy Raw starts with like a, a skit like this, where every time there was any occasion, you're like, get up, baby, sing a song. <laughs> and that just filled my heart. Was your uncle a trained singer or was it just a natural gift? It was a natural gift. My uncle's nickname is Birdie because like a songbird. And so um, um, he would just sing. He would just sing. And I think he he got a part. It was that time period where, you know, all the guy groups, like the Temptations, the Four Tops. And, all, and so in the in the neighborhoods, you would have guys getting together to form singing groups, you know, um, in the, what, the 60s, 70s. Yeah. And so my uncle joined a singing group. He was a part of a singing group. And um, and then he then he kind of, you know, got into, you know, uh, 
relationships and having kids and having to get a job and just kind of, you know, it kind of phased out for him. So the one time that the, the times when we could get together and sing, he was able to do his thing and, you know, live that moment, which was really nice to do. But no, that I don't think anybody, because no one sang in our family but us. So it all starts with the music, but beyond the music, did you have any idea or vision or anything about what the world of show business was? Uh, did you grow up in a television household? Did you see the world of show business through the eyes of a TV set? Probably. That was probably the only way I, I saw it. Um, and, you know, the one thing I, I will say about my mother, I was raised by someone who made me think anything was possible. All I had to do was show up. I was the light. I was the star. I was it. And that, you know, even after she had all her children, she just, it was just still, you know, she was able to put, still put that in all of us. But with me, she just, so, so I was, I was, you know, naive in, in a, in a sense, which I'm kind of glad that I was, that all I had to do was hear, all someone had to do was hear my voice, sir. All I had to do was sing in this competition or all, and then I was going to become a star. Um, and I think it was around the time I remember Star Search was was started uh, up and people were going on Star Search and, and I went to audition for Star Search and I never got a chance to, um, but only by the television, nothing, not until I got into high school. Well, no, middle school, my choir teacher heard me, she heard me sing, I don't know how she heard me sing and asked me to join the choir in like the seventh or eighth grade. And she gave me a lead part in a, in, in like a, musical review kind of thing. And that opened me up to that world. And I thought I was on Broadway then. <laughs> but when you, when you started, um, where did, uh, was, the, you had no idea of any opportunities until that teacher gave you that first break? I had no idea. All I knew is that um, I could probably sing at some gatherings. I could sing at something around town. And then, you know, you know, maybe because back then people were still discovering people, you know, maybe someone would discover me. But no, I had no idea. It, it's so interesting. The angels that came into my life from my uncle to my choir teacher who got to see me on Broadway. She got to see me in Chicago. She's so proud of me um, uh, to um, my teacher who just recently passed from that performing arts high school, who, you know, who taught me how to uh, I was classically trained first before musical theater. He taught me about breath support and he taught me about elongating my vowels and, and rounding my vowels and where in my mask to sing. Um, and, and so I feel like from middle school, high school, to college, to grad school, to touring, to New York, to Broadway, like I just feel like I've had these angels along the way that have said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you gotta see this person or you gotta see this girl. And, and has helped me to meet the people that have been that on that step. I mean, it just, I just think they're just angels along the way that just lead, you know, lead well, you on I the right path. The, I, I definitely want to know how the transition happened to the performing arts high school. Uh, how did that come about? Um, well, cause after I, after I sang the Whitney Houston song, um, I was, he, he, uh, I, I was accepted into the performing arts high school. Uh, but I had to really, change a lot of stuff about how Wait, I is that also in Louisville 
in Louisville, Kentucky, yes. And and I loved it because at that time, fame had just happened, the, the movie fame. So that's the that's the type of school it was. Like it, it kind of mimicked fame. And so it was just, we just thought we, now child, we really thought we was on Broadway then. <laughs> because the stage was humongous and we had all the props we need, all the wigs, all the, everything, because it was just such a big deal in Louisville. And it's so funny to me, I think back now, like I always thought, oh my God, is this is what high school is? Broadway must be, the stages must be ginormous. And then I went to Broadway and everything shrunk. <laughs> the dressing room shrunk, the stages shrunk. And I was like, whoa, but, but then I thought, oh yes, I am on, this is Broadway. So just nuts. <laughs> so when you were working in this performing arts uh, school, um, were the teachers uh, professionals from the theater? Um, do they come to Louisville uh, to mentor you? Um, what was their training to get there? And uh, hmm. what was the ultimate goal in terms of where you were going to go after graduating from that school? Well, all the teachers were in the professional world and they would, uh, even even my, the uh, Mr. Brown, he would do the Stephen Foster story every year in the summer and he would conduct it and he would cast it and do a bit. So everybody was still doing, you know, the business in regionally, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but had had kind of uh, went into teaching as their, their next passion. And so we got really, but nobody was from Broadway. Like I, I never had a Broadway teacher or anything, but they, they acted like they were like, they, they acted like it was a, it was fame and we were going to be, you know, the next, people to be stars and you know and I, I appreciate that but we were so not, we were just like this is it and um so the goal that they always had because we always had a career day where colleges would come and because performing arts school we got to do all of our you know whatever our expertise was in and then uh by the after career day there'll be lists up from where colleges were asking to see people so that's how we that's how I got into college uh because I um, did a I did musical theater. Um, I'm a musical theater audition for uh, college. So the goal for everyone to make it was that you had to go to college, and that was the big thing. From from if you went from Y Pass to college, you you really was making it, you know. So as you're going through school, are you thinking I'm going to go to Broadway? I'm going to go to Hollywood. I'm going to go to college. What was your next? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I knew. I think I think I. If I'm being honest, I really think I was just having a good time. <laughs> I think it was it was something that, you know, you wasn't were just happening. having the moment. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't what was happening in my neighborhood. Like I was putting together little shows and stuff, but this was on bigger scales and bigger costumes. And I learned all these musical theater shows that I never knew anything about. And it just opened up this world. I thought it was just so cool. But I think that's the level that I really thought. I don't think I thought I was going to Broadway. I think I, I think I was like, well, this is fun to do. <laughs> and then my mother was like, no, you're going to college. And I'm like, okay, I'll go to college. Like just because, and I want to hang out with my friends for the summer and just be a kid, you know, um, it was great performing and everything, but I didn't, I don't know. I just, I was the first to go to college. So who knew what that was? LaVon, you, you just amazed me because I mean, when I was that age, I mean, all I thought about was Broadway theater. Yeah, I New York, I've got to get there. And you are just enjoying the process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, if every person could get that and hold on to that, uh, they could enjoy it a lot more. All yeah. I think about was getting to New York. So where did you go to college? 
I went to college at Millican University. It's in Decatur, Illinois. And it's a small, what's bigger now, but it's still, still relatively small. And um, their, their arts department is amazing. It's just, you know, we had a football team. They didn't win much, <laughs> but, but everybody came to the school for the performing arts. Family weekend was all about what big musical was going to be, you know, playing at Kirkland uh, Theater. And Kirkland is a big professional theater that was there. So, um, yeah, I got, I got there. And then, so when I got there, then I kind of had to be trained about uh, professionalism because I was late to everything job, late to everything. I don't, we, and, and at the former art school, I was late there, but they, they didn't, you know, they kind of, I guess, cause I was talented. They let me get away with it. So I got to college and they were like, oh no, 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 no. You're supposed to be here 10 minutes before. I'm like, what is that? You know? So I had to figure out how to be punctual if I was, if I wanted to be in this business and um, which I'm, it's such a blessing. It was such a lesson about preparing, um, about uh, showing up and showing up prepared um, about, it was so crazy because you had, you had to go to class. So like I had an eight, maybe a seven o'clock class that was a regular class. Then I might've had an eight thirty nine o'clock class that was a dance class. Then you had to leave that lunch of a math class. Then, and so and so I kept going back and forth in the, in the dance clothes. And sometimes I just left them on and put on my sweats and just kept over and kept going. And it really showed me how to multitask. Um, and, and because I, I actually had a job too. I worked in the cafeteria, uh, for some of the money for school. And, uh, um, I, it was, it was so crazy. And I was like, who does this? But I'm so glad because how, of how, when you move to New York, you have to have a job. You're taking, you know, classes, <laughs> you're, you're, you're performing in a little cabaret. You're doing, you're multitasking like crazy. And there's some people that if they've never had that, They've never had stagecraft where they've had to make sets and make costumes and make all which is what I had to do. I don't think I think New York can be overwhelming because it's like, oh, my God, I, I just thought I could be here and sing, you know, sing and get famous. It's like, no, there's a there's a, it's like a paying your dues. But there's a there's a path. You, to you, survival. Just, said the word, you just said the words paying your dues. Mm -hmm. So so I was grateful. I was grateful for my my undergrad experience. So uh, the the scroll on the bottom, uh, the word of the day is courage. And uh, so when did you get the courage where you said, okay, I'm really going to pursue this? My mother, my mother has always instilled in me. She just was always like, try it, try it. If it doesn't work out, fine, but try it because you have everything that you need. And I, I think back now, you know, I laugh so my friends had talked to me about when I came to college and like I had a little arrogance about me, but it wasn't that it was just, it was just what she gave to me. She just made me feel invincible. And she didn't tell me all the stuff that was going to be pow, pow, pow. I had to like fight, <laughs> you know, to, to keep the courage, to keep the momentum. But she was always just, 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 I don't know. She, she's, she's amazing. She's still amazing. Um, and, um, just telling me, pushing me to do better, to go further, to not give up, uh, to just try harder. To and every time the weight of the family was always on me because she was like, "You're the first to, you know, the first to go to college, you know. So you you have to make it through. You gotta you you do it." And every time I had shows, they would have buses from Kentucky come to see me in shows because <laughs> uh, my family was just. You know, most of them passed away now, but I mean, they would get they would get all the grandparents, the uncles, everybody would come up and see my shows. And I just my support system really gave me the courage. You know, I had that support that rather I failed 
if I tried it and fail, I tried a couple times, they'd always love me. And I'd always, you know, have a, have a home and there. So why not give it a shot? And so that was just the thing. She, she just, she just, she's a big, my mother was always a big tough love pusher and, and, and heartfelt love pusher. And it's funny cause my husband, <laughs> we were our anniversary um, this past uh, June is we're, we're celebrating 16 years of marriage and we're together 18 years. And so my siblings who are all not married, um, were saying, my mom was like, well, what advice can you give her? They were saying, you know, what do you love about the other person? And the one thing my husband is like, he's like, I love that she pushes me. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, I, I hate to admit it because I'm going to have to hear about it later. He said, but I love that she pushes me to, to do better and be and do things and stay on things and not procrastinate and just, you know, try. And I was like, oh, that's my mama just coming out my face. <laughs> that's great. And by the way, happy early birthday. Thank you. Yes. Oh, thank in you. In two days, isn't it? In two days. Yes. 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 I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm not even gonna do anything until uh, uh, my girlfriends are coming in. Uh, the Vonettes are coming in on Saturday, and so then I'm gonna probably. Uh, you know, that we'll we'll do something fun together, uh, girlsy like. But I, it's. I think it's gonna be like a, a cute, a nice, quiet one. Oh, that's wonderful. So. Uh, so was it a show that brought you to New York or did you come to New York to pursue getting a show? Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> um, um, okay. So I, I, before I got to New York, I was, had a, a regional credits, have a lot of regional credits, um, where, um, I would be in these shows and these tours with Broadway people, like people who've already got credit and they would meet me. They were like, Oh my God, you have to get to New York. If you, you can stay on my couch, you can, you will be on Broadway in a year. You have, you have to, you know, and I was always scared because I never had saved up enough money because every time I uh, would, I would, I started a youth like touring group in Kentucky. And so my money would go into that because I don't, I don't, again, I still wasn't thinking about, okay, I'm going to leave and move to New York and do Broadway. But I kept meeting these people. And and them tell me why what is why are you here why why aren't you in New York you know, and so I met my my third fiance which we're not going to talk about who ended up being my husband <laughs> um, at that time <laughs> and I said you know what before I if I'm going to settle down if he's the one I'm going to be with before I do that I'm gonna because I do want to see if I can get on Broadway it just didn't I didn't know anybody that was on Broadway I didn't know except for well those people in the show but I mean as far as like um like like family members that had been there and was able to tell me the story that yes this is possible how to get there I didn't know but I said you know what before I go to this next phase of my life which is getting married and having kids I said let me let me try and um so I got an industrial I got an industrial for a company I don't think even exists anymore. Um, and it, it was industrial for Chicago, the musical, going to China. But the industrial was rehearsing in New York and then going to China and then coming back to New York. So I, got, I forgot how I even got that. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. But uh, um, I, so I moved all my stuff and my boyfriend at the time helped me. And ironically, my boyfriend, who is my husband now, uh, was from the Bronx. So it just felt like, and I met him in, I met him in Roanoke, Virginia. He was doing a job with Coors Lights. He's a truck driver. And he was like, oh, if you ever, you know, going to go to New York, I'll, I'll show you around. I'll show you where everything. I'm like, okay, cool. Right. So I was like, I know somebody from New York. He can show me how to get wherever. I got a sublet and 
Um, I did this industrial for um, the company because I know the company's not existing anymore. But we went to China. It was amazing. I did Mama Morton. Um, it was incredible. And then the people, like I said, little angels along the way, and those Broadway people telling me to come were there, little angels. Um, there were people in the next couple shows that weren't in New York. They were like around New York that I got were like, hey, you got an agent yet? You know, because my agent came to the show and they're saying, you know, if you don't have an agent to send your information. In. And so then I got an agent that way. Um, and like I said, little angels, it kept happening. And then finally, um, I got married in 2006. And I think two months later, I was cast in The Color Purple uh, on Broadway. And and yeah. And so so from the time of this going to around York, the time I met you. Yeah. So, so I, let's see. So I, I arrived in New York in 2004, maybe the end of it. And then I got cast in the color purple at the end of October, September of 2006. So that's how that, and still me being naive, I mean, still, still thinking I'm the best. I, you know, <laughs> no one can be, when they hear my voice, that's all it's going to be. And I remember going into these auditions, man. And I'd hear, there were like 10 of me. I was like, oh crap. Like one of those cattle calls, and you hear these women singing, and you're like, oh, "She can, she can sing!" Wow, like you know. But for, but my, but still, the courage my mother gave me was like, "But I'm different," and so I always held that, like you know, once they hear my voice, that's it, and you know, and and that's how I, that's how I auditioned and kept auditioning, and I get the little regional shows and keep auditioning until I got Broadway. It's so funny to think about it now. Well, did the mindset change for you? I mean, when you're auditioning, I mean, first of all, when you get that call that uh, Levon, you've been cast, you're going into a Broadway show. Does it change your mindset at all? I mean, obviously you are the same person that you were the day before you got cast in a Broadway show. Uh, you're still auditioning the same way that you auditioned before. But does it change something psychologically within you uh, when you are now auditioning for Broadway shows, having done that first Broadway show? Um, it 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 scared me. Like I, it scared. Like I, it became whoa, this is real, and I was scared to mess up, and I was scared to lose it. And I was scared. I was scared. Like because you hear people talk about Broadway, and you feel like that's the top. That's the that's the the ceiling. You know, um, and. And then it happens, and and I had and honestly for brought for I had auditioned for about three or four Broadway shows. Like I was doing regional theater, but I auditioned for some shows that I didn't get in. Like I I auditioned for Hairspray before it left Broadway for Motormouth, but I don't think I I think I was too young for it at the time. Um, um, but so there are shows where I audition, but I was just like, oh, it's like I was I don't know. I just I didn't understand what what was really going on in those auditions until once I got the color purple. And then I was just like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. This is, this is major. And like, I don't, I don't want to ever want to mess up and I don't want to make a mistake. And I don't like, I was, I just got scared because I. Well, I let me what... ask you, are you familiar with the imposter syndrome? And if so, is that something that ever came into your mind? Okay. Tell me what, tell me what the imposter the syndrome imposter is. The imposter syndrome is when you, people begin to believe that, they are an imposter uh, play acting at whatever it is that they're doing and that they're going to be found out. I'll give you an example. Uh, Carol Channing 
uh, told me that when she was doing Gentlemen Prefer Blondes on Broadway, when she was the toast of Broadway, uh, one Dorothy Gilgallan, who was a very powerful uh, columnist at the time, uh, gave her a bad review. Hmm. And she began to believe that bad review, that people would find out that she was not as good as everybody else said she was. And she began to believe that. And there are certain people that begin to believe, maybe I'm not that good. And it begins, it's, it's called the imposter syndrome, where that begins to take over in your mindset that perhaps I'm not really that good. And it is really debilitating. Uh, yeah. it, it really takes over your, uh, it, it happened to Laurence Olivier. It's happened to a lot of great, great artists. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's what, I don't think that's what uh, happened at that moment. I have had that at other parts of my career. Um, but at that moment, no, I think I was, I was just scared. It was, it was a dream come true, but I was just scared. I thought, okay, now what? Um, <laughs> I mean, and, was your heart um, going like this, you know, that first night on yes, Broadway? Yes. The, oh, when I first stood out there on the stage, it was like nothing. I was on the Broadway stage and it was like, Broadway theater, the Broadway theater stage, the rotating stage. And I, and it was just and like, I felt like, like electricity shot out my fingers and my face and my, it was just, it was wild. Um, it was wild. And then I was just like hooked. But up until that point, I was just like, am I really going to do, am, can I really handle this? Like, is this really like, you? I know, I know, I know you, you've been trying to get here, but did you really want to be like, it was, it was weird. It was <laughs> like, are you sure? You know, um, but then that all subsided because like I was so blessed again with angels to have been a part of the color purple uh, Broadway family because I could have gotten into another show that wasn't as family oriented, but they were all very loving and very warm and very welcoming to me. And um, I, I swung out five people. Like I went in to swing out five people. And as soon as I went in, everybody took turns going on vacation. Like they couldn't wait. They was like, yes, somebody's here. <laughs> so, oh my God. So, wow. Yeah. So every week I was somebody, it was crazy for like a couple of months. And um, yeah. And so people had to kind of shove with love <laughs> and people, you know, but at the same time they were, once I built the confidence with the cast that I could do this, I could jump in and, and do and, and not be in their way. <laughs> you know, I felt better because I said, like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. This is, this Levon, is, this I want to talk about something for just a moment. Thank you for bringing this up because I mean, especially this past year and the last year and a half, I guess, uh, because of COVID and it's been really brought to the forefront mm -hmm. uh, that swings, understudies, standbys are truly the backbone of a Broadway show. When you come yes. in and you know five roles that you have to go on, uh, on a moment's notice. Uh, and sometimes it's going on in a star's uh, part. Uh, certain people come to see a particular person in a role and then they get to the theater. It could be a friend of a, someone and they go, oh, the person I'm here to see is not here to see that. And then they find out that someone else that they're not ex expecting to see is going on. Yeah. What is the mindset that goes for you? For me, um, I love artists. I sit back and I go, okay. Uh, I mean, when I went to see Warpaint, um, 
Christy Nebersole was out of the show the night that I went to see it. But her standby was Patty Kornauer, who oh, I am a huge fan of. Yeah. And so I was thrilled to see what she was going to bring to the role. And even though I didn't see Christy Nebersole, Patty did a phenomenal job. And I was thrilled for what she brought to the table. Uh, so I'm always willing to go along for the ride. But some people have a resistance to that. What do you say to those who are watching who have that resistance to that from the position that you've been in on the other side? I like I like your approach to it, like giving a, a fan of artists and wanting to see this artist's interpretation of it. Um, because a lot of sometimes you can get in as a swing. Sometimes you can get in a habit of perpetually being a swing. And that can be kind of frustrating because you're like, you know, I've, I've got I've, I'm leading role material, you know. So I say all that to say that give them a chance because you're you're probably witnessing leading role material. You know, you're, you're witnessing this this person having their moment and it, it might knock your socks out, in a, a, a socks off in a way that maybe the other interpretation maybe doesn't. You know, you don't you never know. And so being open to that also because we as artists are human beings and we're going to get sick and things are going to go on. We're not robots. And so there are going to be moments where a person is just not going to be able to be at the show, even though you've planned everything and, you know, unforeseen occurrences happen. And so I would just, if I would still enjoy the show and give that person a chance, because you just don't know, there are people that people rely on so much. So they're, they're constantly covering people that are just mind blowing at what they do. Um, I, when I was in, when I, when I was swung out five people, I, of course, I had no idea when I got cast to call purple, I was also pregnant. <laughs> no clue. And so I found out uh, maybe a month or so after, and I was like, oh God, they're going to fire me. Why? Why? You know, just like, you know, I just got married. I was like, why? Why? You know? And so um, my mother, you know, the, the, the strong woman, she was like, you know what? All you have to do is sing those songs and you have to make yourself indispensable to them. And you, you go there, you show up and you do your, you know, she was like, you know, you show up and show them why, you know, they need to keep you. Cause I thought I was going to be fired child. Um, and then um, maybe four months in, I was like, okay, I got to say something. I was getting sick all the time, and, but I was, I didn't miss anything. Nobody knew, but I said, I'm going to start showing. And so um, I told them <laughs> and I didn't know that, you know, I was protected by the union, by equity. I had no idea um, that, that, that firing thing, that's not something they can do, you know, but I thought it, and I, I feel almost glad I felt that because I worked harder to be indispensable and um, to where they, they really were like, they loved me. And so, um, when I went on maternity leave, they hired a couple of people. They had like three people to replace me. Three. And um, and they called me back. They they called me during maternity leave and said, we will pay for Sitter. Could you please come back? And and I actually came back because what, what somebody was saying was like, we didn't know how you were so great at doing all those parts and juggling and doing it, you know, and doing it and doing it. And I stayed in until I was 36 weeks. So I was in my, I was nine months pregnant while I was still jumbling around and, and doing the show. Um, and so, but the people that they kind of play, I, they were awesome, but they, they weren't me. And so they were like, could you please come back? Could you just, we'll just pay, we'll pay for it. Can you please? And so I came back early from that maternity leave. And I appreciate, I appreciated that they felt like way I, the way I did my job, they were, that I was indispensable. And, um, I, so swings are, 
you don't know, to make sure that they hit their mark. And a lot of times they're hitting five and six marks and they've got a script that's highlight different colors that means the different characters, you know, and they get on there and they save the day. They freaking save the day, you know? And so I would, I would love to witness someone saving the day. And that's, I think that's how you have it. You got to look at it. Oh my God. And I've seen it happen more times than not. And it's great. Anita Gillette tells a great story. Anita Gillette was pregnant when she was in, she found out uh, early on in Gypsy that she was pregnant. And it was Ethel Merman who noticed that she was beginning to show. And Ethel Merman pulled her aside and said, do you have something to tell me? <laughs> and Ethel Merman said, don't worry, we're going to let you stay in the show. But she was doing cartwheels. She said, we got to take care of you. Um, Yeah, so, because your you're equilibrium, I noticed when I got bigger. Now, I, I had gotten... Um, I was sick the first three months. So after my costume measurements, they made my costumes. I was sick, so I lost like 25 pounds uh, during the first three months of my pregnancy. So um, so when, so when all I gained, I gained 25 pounds exactly with my son. So all I did was gain back. So you wouldn't know I was pregnant unless, you know, I took off my costume and you saw my stomach. So, uh, but oh my God, standing on that is a little passerelle over the orchestra that the color purple had when you walked on. I couldn't see past my stomach and I just felt like I was going to fall over. And oh, I did, wow. I, I did fall once. So, <laughs> so yeah, cartwheels, like how does she even shift her baby no, weight? No, no, oh, my God. oh Lord. But I do want to say something. You have two gorgeous angels. I have three. You've got three. I've got three. <laughs> you've got three. Well, I'm sorry about the third. I'm, you know, you've got, you've got, I'm not sorry about the third. I mean, that I missed the third. You've got three beautiful children. Yes. Wow. Yeah, they're awesome. awesome. I'm literally hiding from them now. And my youngest, I just heard her run across the floor because I'm downstairs. I'm like, she's going to, she's going to find me. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I want to, uh, before we do run out of time tonight, um, and it's running across the bottom of the screen. Um, people can see you up close and personal uh, because you are going to be at 54 Below uh, doing uh, your show with the Vonettes. Uh, yes. Tell everybody what they can expect if they come to see you on August um, 24th at 9.30. And I'm hoping to be there. Oh, my gosh. Yes, please. Um, uh, You know what? Um, We are doing Broadway favorites. We're doing all Broadway and we're belting the crap out of them. Yes. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And so you'll get to see some Dream Girls, some Bubbly Brown Sugar, some Little Shop. Um, we even do a, a some from that. This is a Broadway show, but it's a, it is a show. It's a regional theater show called Honky Tonk Angels. So we do some country. Um, and we're just going to have fun. We're having, and we've got some guests coming in and out to sing some stuff. I'm going to do, do some solo stuff from Smokey Joe's. Um, and we're just, it's just going to be our Broadway set, our new Broadway set that we created. Um, and it's just a belting good time. So, uh, Please come and enjoy and sing along and have fun. It's going to be crazy fun. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to be there. And uh, we're going to do a giveaway. And uh, so I'm going to bring this on the screen. Our word of the day is courage. Uh, so as we're waiting to give uh, this prize away, I've got some wind down questions for you. Uh, can you hear me? Levon, what happened? Can you still hear me? What happened? What happened? I, no, what happened? Can you hear me? No. Uh, wait a second. Uh, check. I didn't touch anything. Let's see here. 
Um, I didn't touch anything. Can everybody else hear me? Everyone, let me, uh, can uh, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Uh, LaVon, I don't know what happened. Uh, can anyone else hear me? Uh, I don't know what happened. Um, uh, LaVon, can you hear me? Everybody else can hear me. LaVon can't hear me. Everyone else can hear me. It, it's on your end, LaVon. I don't know what happened. Leave and come back. Um, I don't know what to do. Um, she says she can't hear me. Leave and come back. Uh, well, hopefully she'll be able to hear me in a few moments. Uh, well, maybe she'll be back in just a few moments. Uh, but anyway, uh, as I said, she's going to be at 54 below uh, on the 24th. Uh, our giveaway today is based on the word courage, uh, which is our word of the day. I hope she'll be back in just a moment. Uh, I'd hate to lose her. Uh, I'm such a fan of hers. Uh, but yes, I know I've been reading about uh, imposter uh, syndrome. Uh, look it up. Let's see. All right. I can hear okay. you. Now can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. So I'm going to bring this back. Now can you still hear me? I can still hear you. Okay, Yay! Great. So we're going to do some wind down questions. And the first question is, what is the most beautiful sound that you have ever heard at and I'm going to say besides your children. The most beautiful sound. Uh, hmm. I like, I like the birds singing at dawn. I think that's a really beautiful sound. Yep. Me too. Now, are you in the city itself or are you in the country? No, we bought a house in Jersey. I'm in South Jersey. Okay, good, 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 good. Mm -hmm. Um, what are your truths? Um, my truths are that, uh, God comes first, um, that family comes next. And then this amazing career that I have comes after that. Um, and that I, another one of truths is be who you are at all times. Then you don't have to remember, you know, how you were towards people. If you are genuinely who you are at all times. Because I know some people are different people at different times. Just be, be the same person every time, you know. <laughs> um, and love. Love with your whole heart and ferociously. And if someone uh, doesn't appreciate that, you know, to me, God's going to take care of them for that. But they'll, he'll take, but he will always bless you for genuinely loving with your whole heart. Um, and also be kind to people because it's the right thing to do. Just because it's the right thing to do, not because, and I say that because I, I've had people that have not treated me so nicely, and then they hear me sing, and then they're nice to me, and I'm like, that's weird. Like, you should be nice to me. You should be a kind person. The first response when you see other people should be of positivity, and 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 of love, uh, and just if none of that, just kindness. Because it's the right thing to do, not because of what someone can do for you or how they impress you or you know. You know, do that because it's the right thing to do. 
Amen. Amen. I have a gratitude calendar, uh, thanks to my friend Howard Tucker, who is watching. So thank you, Howard. And uh, the I pulled a, a page from the gratitude calendar, and it says, lunch is not just a time to eat healthy food. It's also a chance to check in with myself in the middle of the day and see what I need. Do you check in with yourself during the day to find out what you need? You're going to make me cry. <laughs> oh. Um, not not as much as I should. I I find that I'm I find that giving to others and thinking about others and caring about others is more fun than mm. focusing on myself. And so I I do need to check in with myself definitely more. That's a good that's a good idea at lunch or uh I don't know when you wake up in the morning or I need to do well, that more. I'm going to tell you this is what I'm going to advise you to do. This is the new thing in, that I'm going to add to your life. Okay. It's the Levon hour every day. It's the Levon hour. That's only yours. And you do it to take care of you. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to cry. I don't care. You make me feel like I'm going to cry. Well, um, thank you. So what made today a good day and or a bad day? Oh, today was a good day. Today was a good day because my daughter, I took her to her swim lesson and she was, she did amazing. Um, I was able to go shopping for some more costume stuff for my show. Um, I had a really great cup of coffee. Um, I was able to kind of pray um, as I was driving along, uh, running errands kind of freely. I was praying and just saying my thoughts uh, uh, to the most high. So, uh, and then I got to talk to you. So Aww. today has been a great day. <laughs> this has been an honor. Um, what TV show or series are you currently watching or enjoying? Oh, Lord. P-Valley, honey. P-Valley. If you haven't watched P-Valley, you need to watch P-Valley. Where it's is it? Stars. It's on Stars Channel. And it's <laughs> it it kind of comes, it's, it's about a strip club, okay? But, <laughs> but it has such good writing. It's shockingly good writing. It's just shockingly good. And it's such a... You, you get to know the human stories behind all these people that live in this uh, uh, made up place called Chuckalisa, Mississippi. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely kind of hooked on that. And they just finished the season finale was what Sunday it was yesterday. So yes, I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> oh, I'm going to check it out after tonight's show. Yes. Um, next question. Do you think things through, work at them and see them through to their conclusion or do you drop something before it is finished and move on to something else now I, I whatever i start i finish that's 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 another one of my mom's little creeds she was like no 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 if you start this you're gonna finish it and that's that's how i've lived my life good for you mm -hmm. um what times in your life do you enjoy the most i enjoy when i'm with my kids <laughs> I enjoy watching them, um, it, watching the blend of my husband and I come out of their faces like and they say something funny or they say something just like one of us or even when they say something like one, like my grandmother or someone. And it's really unexpected and just enjoying them and enjoying them, their, them growing up and just being around them. That's it. <laughs> Great. Um, what will you regret less when you look back over the past 10 years? What will I regret less? I will regret less that um, that I didn't give it my all. 
that I didn't try as hard as I can to reach uh, the goals that I have set for myself in my life um, because I'm, I'm just that type of person. I'm going to keep working at it, keep working at it, keep working at it. Um, so I, I know that's the one thing I, I, that I will regret less than other things that um, I may have dealt with in my life. Okay. And this is my last question. Um, what is your through line? If you were to look at the life and career uh, of Levon, what would be the through line? be um showing love to others showing love to others uh making others smile uh to me that's showing love to others when you're on stage you're performing and they you make them forget their problems and jump into this world that you've created i think that's showing love to others spending time with family showing love to others um spending time with your spirituality showing love to others um and showing love to God. And I think that's just, that's that's my through line, I think. <laughs> wow, well, it's beautiful. Uh, hold on for one second. We're gonna do a giveaway and here it okay. is. Thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, let's, uh, we're going to do this giveaway and uh, see, Howard Tucker is our winner tonight. Uh, it, it's not showing here, but he's okay. the winner. Yay, go Howard. Uh, he, he, he's the winner. <laughs> Howard, you're the winner. It didn't Yay. show, but you are. Um, anyway, I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. Don't go anywhere for a few moments. I want to uh, say a few words, and then, Levon, I'm going to give you the final word tonight. Um, as I said at the beginning of the show tonight, uh, tonight uh, is Howl at the Moon night. So go out, show a little courage, howl at the moon, have a little um, lemon meringue pie. Uh, find the courage, as Levon uh, has. Uh, to go after your dreams, uh, to go out and do the things that matter to you. This is it, everyone. This is it. It's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. Yes. So I want to thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, I celebrate each and every one of you. Uh, I It means the world to me that you show up for me. Uh, many, <coughs> excuse me, I get choked up. <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, many of you show up uh, night after night, and that means a lot to me. Um, and Levon, I have been a fan of yours since that first moment that you walked out uh, singing that song in Peterson Cotty's show. Uh, and uh, I, when every, I think of you, um, a good feeling comes over me uh, because you are the real deal. Um, you are genuine. Uh, you are a light in this business. Uh, I've, as I said before, and it's not just lip service, I've seen this incredible career grow and you've given so much to this business, so much, many wonderful gifts uh, that you've given to all of us and that you continue to give. So I want to thank you. I get the chance to do that here. So thank you for that. I also have an incredible blog that I wrote, if I do say so myself, <laughs> where I interviewed you. Uh, yes. Years ago, yes. uh, I wrote it and I was reading it today and I wrote it as a Thanksgiving blog. I was thankful for having met you. Oh, uh, that's so, uh, I went back and read that. I couldn't believe that, you know, as I was looking back over that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, as I do with all of my shows, I end my shows by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Yeah. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the first name that pops up 
and reach out with a phone call, not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call and let that person know what they mean to you. Uh, because as my dear friend, Sean Moniker always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And you never know what someone else is going through right now. Mm. But I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So I'm going to leave with you right now, LaVon, and I'm going to give you the final word. Anything that you want to say about anything that we've talked about tonight that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you want to build upon, or just any final message that you want to leave for everyone tonight, uh, don't worry about how to end the show. As soon as you say goodbye, uh, the, uh, the credits will roll. And uh, I want to hear you howling at the moon later. Uh, okay. So uh, I know you've got the voice that will fill all of New Jersey. So uh, anyway, thank you, LaVon. I love you. Have a great night. Thank you. All right. Um, I just wanted to um, say to everyone that you are enough. You are so enough. Um, there's so many people that if you're striving for Broadway, if you're striving to get into the business of just performing, um, all theater is important. All theater is necessary, man. So um, just know if you want to get involved um, in this business, make sure that there are classes in your cities, uh, in your towns, you know, get involved in those classes because those teachers are networking opportunities. Those teachers know teachers in regional theater, in tours, and those tour teachers know people on Broadway. And so it can start your journey. Um, but just know that you're enough. And even if you go somewhere and you think, oh, that person has more time, that person sings higher, that person's, uh, you know, taller. They're... Guess what? They're not you. And what you bring to the table, you are going to be the answer to whoever's behind that table auditioning their question because you're enough. And I just want to say have a great night, you guys. I love you. Bye.